the teams you care about. Well, the Patriots have some soul searching to do, and they've got a long off season now to figure out the answers. The stories that matter to you. Well, UVM certainly put Stony Brook and the rest of the conference on notice with that performance. And now this is the team we wanted to see out of the Catamounts. This is your home for New England sports. All right, football's over. Let's get the lockout over, too. Let's get to baseball. I need the Red Sox back. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Brady Farkas Show on a Tuesday right here on WDEV-AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Mostly full show today. We're up until 6.45. Did its high school basketball. Brent Curtis on the call from Spalding High School as Randolph takes on the Crimson Tide. So, again, we go up until 6.45. It's day two of our Radio Row at-home coverage. I'm very, very excited to bring you today's show. Former NFL quarterback, number two pick in the 1998 NFL Draft, Ryan Leaf is going to be with us in about 15 minutes, so we'll talk to him at 5.45. And then we're going to be joined at about 6.10 by former UVM hockey star and 14-year NHL veteran, Aaron Miller, he's going to join us as well. I did speak with former UVM Hoops coach Tom Brennan, as is customary on a Tuesday. That interview was already up on our podcast channel on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, so you can go and find it there. We're going to react to a bunch of stuff that TB had to say uh, you know, tomorrow and moving forward subsequently, as we're doing with all of our interviews this week. We're cutting them all up. We're going to use them in a big way coming up in the next couple of weeks, so you can always get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. That's 802-585-3026. You can also get in on Facebook Live. If you want to watch the show, just go to WDEV's Facebook page and you can watch us broadcast it live there every single day and you can also get in on the conversation that way. Everybody, let go! 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And here we go. And the opening thoughts in the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. Locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Yesterday was Super Bowl media day. Now they call it Super Bowl opening night. So it used to be Super Bowl media day where you'd show up and each team would get an hour and you'd mill around you know, some big arena or stadium floor and you'd find all the players and all the teams and you'd talk to them. Now in COVID world, they're virtually done interviews. So the players were made available yesterday. And yesterday at Super Bowl opening night, Rams receiver Odell Beckham Jr. proved what I was saying this season. Remember back in November... When OBJ was released by the Browns and we were all wondering where he was going to sign, right? Was it going to be with Green Bay? Was it going to be with the Rams? Was it going to be with Seattle? And a lot of people wondered if OBJ would come to the Patriots. He'd always had an affinity for the Patriots and for Tom Brady and for Bill Belichick. And I told you at that time, I didn't want Odell Beckham Jr. And I told you that I didn't think he was going to ultimately sign in New England. And yesterday... OBJ was asked just how close he came to signing with the Pats. Very, 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 very. Um, you know, I think I, I, I don't think I joked with him on the phone. Uh, but I was like, you know, if this was three years ago, um, it would have been ideal, you know, because Tom is one of the 
you know, he's one of my favorite. Uh... Now, I am surprised. I have to admit, I'm surprised to hear OBJ say that he was quote very close. That one, that one kind of perked my ears up a little bit because I never really thought that it was likely. But the rest of that clip, the other 15 seconds of that clip, they prove exa- it proves exactly what I thought all along about the Odell Beckham situation. The Patriots right now, as presently constructed, they're not the draw that people think that they are. Tom Brady was the draw. He was the reason that people wanted to come to New England. He was the reason that people took less, that veterans came here, that ring chasers came here. He was the reason. It's not the Patriots. It's not the Patriot way. It's not Bill Belichick. And Odell Beckham Jr. proved it to you right there. He says, if this was three years ago, then I would have come to the Patriots. Tom Brady was my guy. But now, I'm not interested. And look, when Odell Beckham Jr. was released, Patriots were in the midst of a winning streak. Patriots were climbing up the AFC standings. Patriots were seen as a real challenger at the time that OBJ was released. And he wasn't interested. The Patriots themselves, as I told you in November at the time, the Patriots are not a draw right now. Tom Brady was the draw. Now, I don't want to get it I don't want to get it confused here. The Patriots are still going to get players. Players will still sign with the Patriots. If you have money to offer and playing time to offer, players will sign with your organization. We've seen that. We saw that last year. Matthew Judon came here. Hunter Henry came here. Jonu Smith came here. Jalen Mills came here. Nelson Aguilar came here. Kendrick Bourne came here. Nick Folk came back. If you've got money and opportunity, you will get players in the NFL. That's just the way it works. But this idea that you're going to be able to get the ring chasers that you've always gotten, that you're going to be able to reach out to the veterans who are going to be able to, you know, yeah, they're willing to take a little bit less to come play for the Patriots, that is not reality anymore. That's not reality for you anymore. That was reality with Tom Brady. That was reality, in to OBJ's words, three years ago. Not the case anymore. That proves everything... It's amazing, as the season has ended, how many things that this show has been right on. We're not right on everything. We got things wrong throughout the course of the year. But it's amazing how many things we have been proven right on, and this is one of them. I didn't think OBJ was going to come here. Why would OBJ want to come to New England? He wanted to play with Brady. It was never about playing for Belichick. It was never about wearing the Patriots uniform. It was about winning a title, and Brady was my means to do that. Brady is gone. Those guys are no longer interested. It's as simple as that. Guys are now flocking to Kansas City. Guys were flocking to Tampa to play with Brady. Guys are flocking to the Rams. Guys are flocking to where they think they can win championships, and that no longer is you. Chris Long, a couple years ago, took less. Veteran, wanted a, wanted a title. He came. 
Martellus Bennett wanted a title. He came. That's not reality for the New England Patriots anymore. And this goes back to what I was saying yesterday. The Patriots are no longer in the... They're no longer always in the conversation. Yesterday I played a cut for you where the national media is forgetting about them. There was a cut from Joe Burrow in which he doesn't mention them as a team to beat in the AFC. And now you have OBJ saying, I was close, but ultimately there was a better fit for me. Look, the OBJ would have come here and been the number one wide receiver. Think about this. If Odell Beckham Jr. came to the Patriots, he would have been the number one wide receiver. He passed on that to go be the number two for the Los Angeles Rams. If that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the Patriots, then I can't help you at that point. The Pats are good, but they're not upper echelon good, and they're not in the in the constant thought, you know, they're they're not constantly in the thoughts of people around the league. They are now getting passed over in a way they've never been passed over before. Being passed over by players and being passed over by the media. I mean, so if you want the Patriots to get back to the Super Bowl next year, and I do, you have to start thinking about how are they going to do that. Well, they're going to have to draft really damn well because the guys like OBJ, they're not taking less to come here. You have a finite amount of money, and when that money runs out, you're not getting people to do you a solid. Not anymore. They would do that solid for Tom Brady. You're going to have – now, Miguel Benzin, who does the Pat, the Pat's salary cap stuff, he was with us yesterday. He said he could get us to $40 million, get the Pats to $40 million. That's a good chunk of change. So you can pay some people to come to New England. But if you want to try to shoehorn this guy in at $2 million instead of 5 and that guy in at 3 instead of 7 that's not happening. You better draft really damn well. Because Odell Beckham Jr. is telling you, three years ago – I was in. Tom Brady's here. I was in. Now, I'm close, but I'm not going there. And that's going to be a theme. Unless you have the money to pay people what they are worth, and then some, in some cases, you're not just getting guys at the rate that you used to. It's the Brady Farkas Show. This is the reality that we live in. For 20 years, people would take less. For 20 years, Ring chasers would come here. We see this in the NBA all the time, right? We saw Carl Malone went and played for the Lakers. He was a ring chaser. Gary Payton went and played for the the Heat. He was a ring chaser. Uh, I mean, we, who, who? I mean, David West, Andre Iguodala playing for the for the uh, Iguodala. I think was there first. David West going to the Warriors. He was a ring chaser. You see that in the NBA. Everybody wants to latch on with LeBron. Everybody wants to latch on with Giannis. That used to be what the Patriots would get. Not anymore. Last year, LaMarcus Aldridge and uh, Blake Griffin latched on with the Brooklyn Nets. That used to be the Patriots. Not the case. OBJ showed you that. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to what the league is saying. Burrow doesn't fear you. The media doesn't think you're in the AFC elite conversation, and players are now passing over you. Listen to everybody. 
It shows you where the Patriots are at, at least in terms of their perception. The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joe gets in, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury. Text line, go get Devontae Adams and draft well, and we will be fine. Can you get Devontae Adams? I mentioned Devontae Adams yesterday to Miguel. Laughed at me. I don't. Th- Number one, Devontae Adams wants like record shattering money. Even if the Patriots opened up every single dollar that Miguel thought was possible, 23 you know, or 40 million dollars, what are we going to do here? 15 of it's going to go to JC Jackson, and the other 20 is going to go to Devontae Adams, and you got five left for everybody else? I don't think that that's reality. Patriots' best bet is draft a wide receiver at pick number 21 and try to sign a guy like Allen Robinson. Maybe he's a guy who would take a little less because of the opportunity. As I said, if you have money and opportunity, you can get guys. So maybe opportunity can get Allen Robinson to New England. But I, this is not going to be easy. This is not going to be easy. I mean... The Pats can do some things. I don't think they can pay J.C. Jackson and Devontae Adams. Nor do I know that that would be the smartest thing you could possibly do. I think the Patriots should go out and draft a receiver at number 21. And let's start right there. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. One other thing that stood out to me yesterday from Super Bowl media opening night, I hadn't realized... That Pats wide receiver Kendrick Bourne and Rams star Cooper Cup, I hadn't realized that they were college teammates. And they weren't college teammates like at Ohio State. If they had been college teammates at Oklahoma or USC or Florida State, some football power, it wouldn't surprise me. They were college teammates at Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington is an FCS school, formerly known as 1AA. And it had Cooper Cup and Kendrick Bourne. A mat, think about that. A FCS team playing with two bona fide NFL wide receiver. Cooper Cup is in the MVP of the league conversations. And Kendrick Bourne's a guy making $15 million. It's a pretty solid NFL resume in its own right. Both of those guys were on the same team. That was uh yeah, that was very interesting. I had not realized that. If I knew it, I had forgotten it. And Cup was actually very complimentary of Bourne, said that he still talks to Bourne all the time to this day, said that he thought Bourne was actually better than him in college and that Bourne could surpass what Cup was. Now, it hasn't happened that way in the NFL. Cup has continued to improve and and be great, but I thought the praise for Bourne from Cooper Cup was, uh, was pretty telling. And pretty cool. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Yeah, Super Bowl media night, certainly weird to see done via Zoom because I went to Super Bowl media night four nights, or four four years, rather. And the way it has worked in the past is they bring out one team onto the arena floor for an hour, and then they leave, and they bring on the next team for an hour, and you just try to find the players all around the floor. Some guys don't want to talk to the media, so they'll try to hide out, and you got to try to find them. And guys will – they'll all wear team-issued jumpsuits that show their numbers, and guys will put towels and credentials over their numbers so you can't quite tell who is who. So they'll try to play games to not get seen. But 
I mean, I remember talking with the first Super Bowl that I went to, Trevor Simeon, when he was, a, I think, a rookie for the Broncos. Uh, Graham Gano, I remember talking with that first year for Carolina. With the Patriots, Eric Rowe and Rex Burkhead and, uh, man, a Trey Flowers before he got the big deal from Detroit, Brandon Cooks. And that's just on the Patriots. I'm trying to think. Well, Cooks I spoke to when he was with the Rams, but a bunch of guys. Very, very, very cool. So uh, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. Travis says, it's not earth-shattering, but the Pats' track record of drafting a wide receiver isn't all that great. What's plan B? I don't have a plan B at the moment. I want the Patriots to draft a wide receiver. It's that simple. They need a downfield threat. And I don't think they can afford to go get Devontae Adams. You have to get a wide receiver, and you have to hit on him. Now, I see the projections. The projections all want the Patriots to draft linebackers. They need help on defense. They need speed at the linebacker position. They're too old, and they're too slow. They might lose Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower, and they could cut Kyle Van Noy. So they could need an entire new linebacking core. They need linebackers. That's probably the actual answer is linebacker, if not receiver. But I want a receiver. I want a receiver. It's the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Radio Row at home, day two. Maybe the biggest bust in NFL draft history. And now he's brought himself all the way back. The great story of Ryan Leaf. He's going to be with us next right here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Thanks. Welcome back to Radio Row at Home on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Continuing our countdown towards Bengals and Rams in the Super Bowl, and it is our Radio Row at Home Week as we continue on. And now I want to welcome in our next guest, a guy I'm very excited to talk to again. It's Ryan Leaf. He's an NFL and college football analyst at the Believe Podcast Network. He's the host of the Bust Podcast. He's a motivational speaker and, oh yeah, the former number two overall pick in the NFL draft. Ryan, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Happy well, Super Bowl week. Happy Super Bowl week to you as well. You know, we've spoken multiple times before, so I wanted to attack this interview maybe in a different way than I have before with you. And your story and your overcoming of obstacles is really well told. And I purposely put your NFL career at the end of that introduction. And the reason why I did that is because you've done so much in the last several years that to me, you're way beyond having just been a former NFL quarterback. At what point were you able to see yourself as more than an NFL quarterback? Was it quick or was it a long process? No, oh, it was a terribly long process. You know, enough that it it took me down such a, a rabbit hole that it almost ended my life, right? Just uh, the resentment around the failure feeling of it all, all of every, all of that enca- encapsulated in, in what I thought was the end-all, be-all of my identity. And so it, it, it took a long time. Um, very, very okay with who I see in the mirror now, and that's, that's what's made the real difference in my life. How does the NFL help young players transition into the league now, and how maybe has that changed in the 25 years since you came into the league? Well, I, I think there's some better, there's some better uh, you know, training around the finance aspect of things. But I don't really think the NFL does 
too much. It's, hmm. it's our responsibility as peers and teammates and and in the NFL Brotherhood to, to be there for one another, ultimately, because the NFL is not going to do anything. You are a commodity to them, and and if they can, you know, recycle you every three years with the new and updated version, that they're more than happy to do that. You know, up here we cover the Patriots, and so we just went through a whole season with a young quarterback in Mac Jones. How much pressure is on these young quarterbacks, and then how quickly can it all become overwhelming? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if there was more pressure uh, than New England ever to follow in the footsteps of the greatest of all time, right? How right. do you come in and do that? So uh, that had to have been incredibly uh, difficult for Mac Jones, but I thought he he weathered the storm better than most, right? I thought he ultimately had the best rookie season of anybody at the quarterback position. I think it was fundamentally um, positive that he ended up in New England rather than somewhere else because of the stability there with Bill Belichick and his staff. It'll be really interesting next year without Josh McDaniels at the helm, what that offense is going to look like, and how Mac Jones adjusts in his second year after a Pro Bowl season in his first. Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about Josh McDaniels leaving, and obviously you went through some instability in your career of a different variety, but how, how important is that loss for Mac Jones to have a different voice and someone you had gotten comfortable with that's no longer there? Oh, it's got to be incredibly difficult, right? You know, I had, I had three head coaches in my first two years. How is that possible? Yeah. Well, my head coach got fired midway through the first season, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's something about consistency in that league, right? Continuity, the constant of knowing what's going on, because the less you have to think out on the football field, the better. Allow your talent, your muscle memory to take over. That's what makes the difference. Ryan Leaf with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Former number two pick in the NFL draft, and now does some NFL and college football analyst work for the Believe Podcast Network. You know, we talk about the all the pressures on a young quarterback. What was the thing you were most not ready for when it came to entering the league? Was it the money aspect, as you referenced? Was it understanding the playbook? Was it relating to older teammates? What was the thing that stood out most difficult to you? Uh, dealing with failure. Uh, I, I, I thought uh, it was a black and white issue. You were either successful or you were a failure. I didn't understand that, that failing at something was just an opportunity to do it better the next time. And so that's where I struggled. And when you go to a team that's drafting at the very top of the first round of the NFL draft, you're going to go to a team that's going to deal with some failure. And so you have to be able and capable of doing that. I don't know, like, you know, Peyton Manning in his rookie year led the league in interceptions. That team went three and thirteen. Uh, you know that that type of thing would have been incredibly difficult for me to overcome, mm-hmm. right? Just the idea of what that meant of failing. You simply have to deal with it in a positive and healthy way, and that's extremely difficult and something that I was very, very unfamiliar with. You know, when it came to Mac Jones, he started this year right from day one, and that is generally more accepted in today's NFL. But when you were coming out, you started day one also, and we weren't used to that. We were used to, you know, used to young quarterbacks sitting behind guys. Do you wish that you had had a veteran quarterback to sit behind for a year or two, or did you, at the time, like the idea of playing right away? Well, at the time, I, you know, I'm a competitor. I wanted to play. No one was going to start over me. I was the second overall pick. You could have said I was the... I was the 1A, 1B pick in, in that scenario, so I was going to play. Whoever you brought in to compete, I was going to win that competition. Uh, what would have been helpful for me in looking at it you know, you know, at the age of 45, yeah, it would have been great if they would have brought Warren Moon in, who played for yep. Kevin Gilbride in the Houston Oilers. Let him be the veteran quarterback 
and, and brought me along and taught me the ropes and how to do it. That would have been perfect, but, you know, when you're in it, you're, you don't want anybody to take anything away from you, your opportunities, your success, all of that. We just spent 20 years watching Tom Brady play. You and Brady are close to the same age. I believe the Washington State-Michigan Rose Bowl that you played and Brady was on that Michigan team, although Brian Greasy was the guy who was playing. And in some ways, Brady's pro career is the exact opposite of yours. As Brady retires, what emotions or words come to mind to you about him? Uh, just the best professional athlete I think I've ever, I've ever witnessed. The way the guy has worked. Right, every off season, regardless of winning the championship seven times, he's taken a, a critical look at what he needs to do to get better, and he's gone to work. And I would have ar- I would argue that this last season, what you saw from him at 44 years old, was the best version of Tom Brady at the quarterback position that we've seen during his entire career. And that's the difference between him and everywhere else. He is incredibly self-critical because he could have packed it in at any point and said, "Hey." I've just won seven championships. I'm the best quarterback on the planet. Let's go on vacation a little bit more with the family and and not focus and work on what I need to work on. He did not rest at all. He worked his tail off, and that's the difference in why he's the best quarterback and professional athletes who have ever played. You know, you've gotten very prominent in media over the last couple of years. You've got a new podcast out recently called Bust that chronicles your career and your downfall and your kind of rebirth. Why have you been so open about your career rather than just wanting to move on because I do I would imagine it would be hard to keep talking about but yet you keep doing it and doing it gracefully the only only way I get to keep this success this freedom this peace is to give it away and I didn't quite understand what that meant my mentors told me about it it's your ability to share your story your experiences strength and hope and that allows you to keep this peaceful unchaotic life it's a way of being of service to others it doesn't cost me anything to tell my story it costs me nothing and it gives me everything so i think that's the best answer i can give you on why i do what i do now well ryan i'll get you out of here on this you are there in la right now at the action getting ready for the super bowl when you think of joe burrow specifically a guy number one pick in the draft he's 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 the story around this super bowl what are your impressions of burrow and everything he's accomplished here in year two it's just been so impressive for somebody who who was in the exact same position he was two years ago uh, and, and wasn't successful at it. To watch him be successful in such a short amount of time clearly shows what kind of character uh, and an ability that the young man has. And it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to experience as an analyst covering him. And I expect big things from him in the future. There's a very talented AV, AFC in terms of the elite quarterback play. And so I expect to see a lot of great matchups over the next few years Uh, The AFC is in comfortable hands as well as the NFL at the quarterback position. Well, Ryan Lee, former NFL quarterback, motivational speaker. You can check him out on the Believe Podcast Network. And, Ryan, hopefully I'm seeing you in person next year because hopefully the Patriots will have cracked that AFC and maybe they can get back next season as well. But uh, until then, we will talk to you again down the road. Ryan, thanks so much for the time. You bet. You have a wonderful week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I will do just that. Ryan Lee, former NFL quarterback. 1998 NFL Draft, number two overall pick. He's been called the biggest bust in NFL history. Um, You know, Jamarcus Russell was pretty bad. I'm not really into ranking people's failures like that. But every time I talk to Ryan Leaf, and that's probably the third or fourth time that I've done it, every time I speak with him, 
I walk away with something new or something different. There was the actual football stuff on Mac Jones and losing Josh McDaniels on the instability for a young quarterback. There was the stuff about how much pressure is on young quarterbacks. And then I, I thought it was really interesting when he said the NFL doesn't do a good job at preparing players to come into the league, his own battle of not being able to handle and overcome failure. I thought all of it was fascinating. So as we will continue to do, our crew will cut up that interview and We'll probably use it in some form next week when the games are over with. But uh, thank you to Ryan Leaf there. The full interview will soon be available on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel. What we will do is we will uh, step aside, get the national news update from CBS News, and then we'll come back. My ode to Ryan Cochran Siegel and Tom Brady is his retirement set to not last very long. Talk about all of that. That's coming up next right here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Welcome back to Radio Row at Home on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We go up until 645 tonight. It's high school basketball at that point. Randolph and Spalding on the boys' side. Brent Curtis will be on the call. I want to thank Ryan Leaf for joining us. Aaron Miller is going to be with us in about 15, 10 minutes or so. He is the former UVM men's hockey star and 14-year NHL veteran. Also played for Team USA at the 02 Olympics. So he's going to be with us here in about 10 minutes from now. Speaking of the Olympics, I want to start the 6 o'clock hour with a nod to Ryan Cochran Siegel, the Starksboro native, won a silver medal last night at the Olympics in the men's giant slalom. He was just .04 seconds off the gold. And this is such a cool story on so many levels. And look, I don't know a lot about skiing. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I've been skiing once in my life. I watch it at the Olympics. I don't watch it any other time. So I can't tell you technically what he did or didn't do to get to the point where he won and where he didn't you know, do enough to win the gold. I'm not going to BS you about that. I think it's fair to be and best to be transparent with the audience. I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And technical skiing is not something that I know a lot about right now. But this is a very cool story. And it's a cool story on so many levels. You don't have to be into skiing or understand skiing to recognize why this is such a cool story. It's a cool story first and foremost for Vermont, for Vermonters, and for Vermont sports. I love seeing Vermonters succeed on the national and international stage, and this is right in line with that. I've told you all along that everybody thinks that, oh, Vermont is this little tiny state, and fine, sure. My goal with this show has always been to make Vermont and this market feel way bigger than it is. That's why we are trying to do the things that we're trying to do. Be on Facebook Live. Get these guests on the show. Have a radio row at home. We're trying to do all of that because we want the show to be bigger than you would expect. Well, these athletes are taking the state profile to a level that's bigger than you would expect. And I love that. And we've seen a lot of this over the last couple of years. It's why I'm so into... Amanda Pelkey winning gold at the 2018 Olympics in women's ice hockey. Amanda, she was on this show two weeks ago. I think it's awesome to talk with her because she elevated the state in helping Team USA win a gold medal. And I love that about her story. Ellie Perrier St. Pierre getting to the Olympics in Tokyo, being in a position 
to get to a medal. She got to the medal round. She didn't win. And you know what? It doesn't really matter to me. She was there and she elevated the state in the process. I think that that is incredibly cool. Owen Kellington getting drafted in the fourth round, I believe, by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Third round, actually, I think, by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the Major League Draft. Like, I'm all in on all of these stories because it's just a great sense of pride. And I wasn't even born here and didn't grow up here. I've lived here for five years, and I feel the pride. I can only imagine how all of you feel that know Ryan Cochran Siegel's family and have skied at the Cochran Ski Resort and, and have talked with his mother. I can only imagine how you all feel today. It's a really cool story on the Vermont front. But it's also a great story on other fronts as well. It's a great story about legacy. You know it better than I do, but his mother won gold in 1972, and here we are 50 years later, and he medals as well? That's incredible. You see it all the time in families where it's really hard to live up to a family legacy. It is. It's really challenging to live up to what your parents did. It's really hard to live up to what your older sibling did. And even though it sounds... I, I watched a special on NBC5 the other day. It seems like Barbara Cochran is a great woman and a great mother who never pushed Ryan into competitive ski racing and never you know, pushed him into something he didn't want to do. But it's not easy, I'm sure, to live in the shadow of an Olympic gold medalist. That couldn't possibly be easy. So to reach your ceiling and to capitalize on your potential and to live up to your family name, that's a huge accomplishment. I imagine in some ways it's a relief and it is, it's a great story because there's so many people that are broken by trying to live up to what their family members have done and Ryan Cochran Siegel, he wasn't. And if it was ever a thing for him, he eradicated that last night. And then finally, it's just a great story of perseverance. We love the story in sports. It's one of the reasons we love sports, because sports shows us the things that we're not expecting to happen or we don't think that can happen, they actually are possible. One year ago today, Ryan Cochran Siegel was, you know, coming out of the hospital with with broken bones. I mean, he had broken his neck a year ago, and here he is, meddling in the Olympics, on a course that he's never run before because they've never had a World Cup event on this course in China. The ability to simply recover physically is inspiring. The courage it takes to do the sport in the first place is inspiring. But then, how you come back after a devastating injury is also inspiring. I mean, I've heard the story multiple times of Major League Baseball players that get hit in the head by a pitch or pitchers that get hit by a line drive. It is hard mentally to get back up there and do it again, to put yourself in harm's way again. And Ryan Cochran Siegel was able to overcome that mentally, and I think that that is inspiring. Because it'd be very easy to, once something has caused you trauma once, to not feel comfortable doing it again. And Ryan Cochran Siegel not only felt comfortable doing it again, but he felt comfortable doing it at the highest level, in a foreign land, on the biggest stage, 
and he found a way to come in second. 0.04 seconds off, off the gold. It's an incredible story, and it's a story that, again, you don't have to know a lot about skiing to appreciate it. I don't know a lot about skiing, and I certainly appreciate it. It is um, mentally to do what he has done. It's a real grind, and it's a real testament to his mental toughness and his character. And i got to say, I have a lot of respect for that. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We are on Facebook Live. You can also you can always watch us there and comment. You can also get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. That's 802-585-3026. I want to get to the Tom Brady retirement stuff, but we've got Aaron Miller waiting. So we'll get to TB12 at some point before high school basketball. I'm looking at the producers, letting them know. Okay, we'll get to him after this. We got Aaron on right now. All right, I want to go out to the phone line. It is Radio Row at Home, day number two. I am very, very excited about this. The guest list continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I've just emptied out the Rolodex. And here we go. Aaron Miller is on with us now. He's a UVM men's hockey product, 14 years in the NHL, a 2002 Olympian himself for Team USA. Aaron is on the phone with us now. Aaron, thanks for being with us. Radio Row at Home Day 2. How are you? Good, Brady. How you doing? Good. Appreciate you being with us. You know, before we really get into the nuts and bolts of everything, we were just talking about Tom Brady, and he said never say never on coming out of retirement. He retired last week. He's already said never say never on coming back out. Um, you had a long career. When you retired, did you know you were done, or did you have a hard time kind of transitioning back into civilian life? Yeah, it was a struggle, but my body had fallen apart by that point. You know, Tom Brady's still in pretty good shape, so it's, it's tough to walk away when – when you can still do what you love at a high level, uh, that wasn't that wasn't the case for me. Uh, basically, nobody wanted me, and my body was falling apart. So, yeah, it was time to quit. But uh, different story with Brady. Did you get to a point ever where the family became a big part of the decision making process? Because it seems like Brady wants to play. His wife has wanted him to retire for years. His kids are getting older. They have their own lives now. Did that ever become a consideration that you thought about? Yeah, absolutely. I had three young kids at the time. And when you get towards the end of your career, no one's signing you long term. So you're just basically one year deals and you're you're moving from city to city. And it, that starts to get tough on the family. So that's, that was nothing I wanted any part of. But again, Brady can pretty much, you know, decide wherever he wants to play. So it's a different story. It wouldn't, would not surprise me at all if, if he comes back to football. Well, we will certainly be following that, but again, never say never. He's He seems like a guy who is going to have a very hard time not seeing himself as an athlete anymore. He has other business ventures. He's got a great family life, but he seems very, very tied to the identity of being an athlete. Did that happen for you right away where you were able to transition into other things, or did it also take you some time? Yeah, I'm a much different story than Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, no, it took me a little bit of time. I, I thought what I was going to do when I – retired it's just nothing i thought i was gonna finish in golf and and hang out but uh when you're 35 years old it just doesn't work that way so i did that for a few months and then uh you know i found something to do uh with these restaurants that i'm, that I'm doing now and uh thank god i did because you, you got to stay busy and, and you got to the competitive juices never go away so you got to do something that you can compete at and uh business is uh, is just like like a sport to be honest with you you, you try and do your best and, and uh 
and compete every day. Yeah, well, you've got a couple Buffalo Wild Wings franchises, including the one on Shelburne Road in South Burlington. I was actually there a couple weeks ago. It was great. Uh, Why did you choose the restaurant field as opposed to anything else? It's just kind of worked out that way. I had a good buddy who was in uh, in the restaurant business, and I kind of just fell into it. You know, the things people told me is don't do restaurants and don't go into business with your friends, and I, and I did both. <laughs> um, and, and it's worked out. Um, so you never know uh, what what you'll end up doing in life, but uh, you find something you love and you, and you do your best, and, and I'm lucky to have found that. We're talking with Aaron Miller, former UVM hockey star, 14-year NHL veteran, played with Quebec, Colorado, the Kings, the Canucks, again, a 2002 Olympian. Super Bowl is in L.A., and I'm bringing kind of L.A. to us here um, for this week. The stars are certainly out in L.A., and you played in L.A. for a bit. Was there anybody from another sport that you ever wanted to meet during your career or had you a little starstruck that uh, you came across? <laughs> It's usually actors and actresses that I was mm. starstruck. I mean, we practiced, our practice facility was the same as the Lakers. Um, so when Shaq and Kobe were there, so uh, there were some pretty big names. Um, but yeah, that's the way it is out in LA. And, and the bigger the event, all the stars start to come out. I and mean, when I was with the Kings and when we had those rare years when we actually made the playoffs, <laughs> all of a sudden you'd start to see, you know, right along the glass, all the actors and actresses, they all want to be seen on television. So um, it's it's fantasy land out there, but it's it's a great place to have a Super Bowl. 2002 Winter Olympian in Salt Lake got to be a part of the Olympics on home soil. You've told me on a couple different occasions that's one of the coolest things you've done in your career. What made the whole thing so memorable to you? Oh, probably having my family around. Um, it was great that it was in the states. It was real easy to to rent a house and then you know just get your way around to all the all the different events. And, and I, my entire family was there. And we had success, you know, we won a silver. Um, it was just a really, really special thing, you know, ever since a kid and watching the, the uh, 1980 team win the gold uh, it was a dream of mine. Um, but when, we, you know, you turn pro and, and it was all amateurs at the point, you never thought there'd be a chance. Um, and then there was. So um, I was extremely privileged to play in that. And uh, it was just a great experience. It's hard to believe it was 20 years ago. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, Winter Olympics going on right now in Beijing. The women's hockey tournament is going on as we speak. Men's hockey is going to get going here in a couple of days. No NHL guys this year because of COVID. Are you, from a fan's perspective, are you more or less interested in Olympic hockey without the NHL guys? Uh, I, I'll watch either way. Um, you know, what I really hope they do, if they're, if they're going to get away from the pro players, is that uh, you know they do something where they have a team play together you know, for like a year, like a 60 yeah. game schedule, go play colleges. I know that couldn't happen this time with the late decision from the NHL, but it's either got to be the NHL or, you know, let a bunch of kids uh, travel together, come together as, as a team, and that'll make it even more special. Um, I don't think people are going to really care all, all that much. They're going to cheer for their country, and uh, somebody's going to come out of this, you know, being a hero, someone who no one's ever heard of before. Mm. And I think that's uh, what the Olympics is all about. You know, did you get a chance in 2002 to go to watch a lot of other sporting events? Did you take in all of the Olympic experience or did you just, we're done playing, I went home? Or what, what was it like for you from that perspective? Yeah, it was strange. You know, we weren't there for the opening ceremonies. We were still playing in the NHL. So it was kind of get there and just start playing right away. Um, and I was just so focused on on hockey that I was either playing or I was just resting. So I, 
I really didn't see any other events. I wasn't there for the closing ceremonies. So, I mean, as far as the whole Olympic experience goes, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest just because it's such a, so crammed in the NHL schedule, um, which is just another reason why I'm a, a big proponent for a team being together and, uh, and being able to take in that whole experience. Aaron Miller with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, Radio Row at Home on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You know, we've talked a lot about this over the last couple of weeks. We're in the midst right now of a lockout in baseball, and we're not going to get to spring training on time. We very well might not start the regular season on time. You were in the NHL at the time with the 2004-2005 lockout that cost the league an entire season. How much did you pay attention to labor relations and all that stuff at that point in your career? Did it ever matter to you? Well, I, I tried to keep up on it. Um, it's a tough deal when you're when you're part of a union. You've got to you kind of toe the line, regardless of how you may feel. I mean, I lost I lost not only a full season of pay, but I had a, a three years left in my contract, and that was docked twenty five percent. They cut hmm. that off too, so I lost a lot of money in that lockout that I'll never get back. And, um, and in the end, we just kind of took what we were fighting for. Uh, we just took it in the end anyway. So it was, it's, it's tough for these athletes. Uh, they just want to play. Um, but you get these unions involved and you get these, you know, these, these owners, it's, it's a tough deal. And I feel for them and I wish I never had to go through that. Yeah. I was going to ask you a question along those lines. Like my biggest fear in this whole thing is that the players right now are unified, but as the closer and closer we get to the season supposed to be starting these guys that aren't getting paid, eventually there's going to be some fracturing among the players union and they might just be forced into a deal just because they kind of have to, like that seems like a real concern. And it seems a little bit like maybe what some of your guys were feeling. Yeah, it's a lot easier for for guys, you know, big name guys with a lot of money in the bank uh, to sit out for a little bit. But some of these guys, you know, it may seem like they make a, a lot of money, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's a very finite amount of time, and, and they want to play. So that's that's a tough part of it. But you, you don't want to you don't want to fracture. You know, you want to keep your union strong and everyone trying to side it together. But the longer it goes, the harder that is to do. The one thing I wonder about, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but the one thing the baseball players have now that you guys didn't is so many more ways to get their message out and so many more ways to get sympathy from the fans or get the fans to take their side. You know, podcasting, start your own podcast, social media. Like, how much do you think that kind of stuff can help the players in this kind of battle? Well, it can help and it can hurt, too, if there's a Mm -hmm. lot of different messages getting out there. Um, You know... Social media, I'm glad it wasn't around when I was playing. Uh, I don't need everyone having a phone in their pocket uh, and being able to say whatever. It, it just it just complicates things, to be honest with you. Um, and I hope I hope that those players can uh, can stay unified because that that's where you have all the power. Aaron, how much of the NHL are you watching these days? Uh, here and there, I'm trying to follow my savers here. Uh, it's been a tough. <laughs> It's been a tough season for him. It's actually been a tough decade and a half yeah. for him. Uh, but I just started watching more, um, getting back into hockey. I think the game is great. Um, I think they've made some tremendous changes. It's faster than it's ever been. It's more skilled. I mean, when you're watching this Trevor Zegras, I mean, not so much of the game is played with the puck in the air now. And I think that's only going to change more and more. Uh, it's great for the fans. You know, some old school people don't like it, but – I think it's awesome. I think the skill uh, is greater than it's ever been. You mentioned just getting back into it. Why did you go away from it? 
I don't know. I just kind of got burnt out. Um, I just stopped watching it. I got, you know, more into, uh, I, lo- I love golf. Um, it's something that, that I can get better at every day. Hockey, I just, it's just a shell of what I used to be. It's kind of depressing hmm. uh, to think about it. But I just, I don't know, I got out of it a little bit. I coach. I love coaching at the high school level. Um, but I just really started getting into watching the, uh, the game, the pro level uh, this season. Maybe I was too cheap to get the package. But, uh, <laughs> I spent a little money, and I'm and I'm watching uh, more and more hockey, and uh, it, it's really entertaining. And once the playoffs starts, I, I honestly believe there's nothing better than playoff hockey. Well, I'll get you out of here on this. You mentioned kind of being burnt out on, and I think anybody can get burnt out on their business at some point. Um, at what point in your career did you realize it was a business and it wasn't just the game that you grew up playing? Yeah, I learned some tough lessons on that. I had to go to arbitration twice. Oh. And, uh, you know, I, I really recommend that every pro athlete at some point go to arbitration and sit yeah. there and listen to the, the to the organization that you think, you know, they love you. Uh, believe me, they'll, they'll trade you. They'll do anything uh, for a better deal. And to sit at a table and, and hear your organization just – talk about what you're bad at and, and why they shouldn't pay you. It's uh, it's quite an experience, and it, it'll it'll show you that uh, it's just a business at the end of the day. And for the for the very few, you know, for the Tom Brady's out there and for these guys that uh, that uh, are, are superstars, you know, it's more than that. But for the average player, you're just playing, and uh, literally you got to go and make as much as you can. you got to run your own little business. So uh, learn some tough lessons, but uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I had a blast. Well, fascinating perspective, fascinating insight. And uh, Aaron Miller with us here on the Brady Farkas Show. Our Radio Row at Home special, continuing our countdown to the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Bengals. You got a prediction on the game? I don't care. My bills got knocked out. so <laughs> I, I, I don't care at this point. I guess Joe Burrow is a good story. So I, I just would like to see a good game. Well, give us the plug for Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm sure it's going to be a, a big to-do for you guys on Sunday. There will be. Buffalo Wild Wings for uh, Super Bowl, you know, we do huge takeout. So if you're thinking of having a party, just make sure you you call in uh, the day before, get your order in there, and come pick it up because uh, it's more of an off-site party-at-home thing. But uh, we've got all the wings you need. Well, there you go, and I can attest to it. Always delicious. So, Aaron, we talk, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Thanks, Brady. Absolutely. Radio Row at home, day two. Aaron Miller, former UVM Catamount hockey star and 14-year NHL veteran. That was awesome perspective on a few different fronts. I took so much from that. Um, The lockout stuff was pretty revealing to me. That is my fear with baseball, that the Baseball Players Association – I think they are battling for some pretty reasonable things. The owners have the ability, though, to just wait them out. And eventually, this unified front, it cracks. Now, the NHL guys, they waited the whole season. They stood up for what they wanted. And Aaron says, we ended up taking a deal anyways. And he said it was really hard. Guys lost a lot of money. He lost a lot of money. Younger players, these guys don't get paid during the season and they don't get or don't get paid unless it's the season and they don't get paid you know if you're not playing. If the league's not in session, so at some point the baseball guys are going to crack. And he's telling you that that's what it, I lost a season in the middle of my career. I lost a bunch of money because I wish I didn't have to go through it. He goes, "I wanted to play." 
I had to do what the union wanted, but I wanted to play. That is a that was fascinating insight. The Olympic stuff was fascinating as well. So Aaron Miller is awesome. And yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings, Shelburne Road in South Burlington. Aaron is one of the owners there. So um, really good stuff. Really good stuff. We will, uh, that interview we will get up on the podcast channel ASAP. We'll get the cuts from that. And we'll have a bunch of stuff to react to over the course of us, uh, you know, probably starting next week. You know, this week we do the interviews. Monday we come in, we talk about the game for the seat for the most part. And then we go into kind of a lull. We won't have baseball. We won't have football games to discuss and a lot of football content to discuss. We'll have the NBA. We'll start getting next week into a lot of Celtics and a lot of Bruins on the NHL side, and we'll be reacting to a lot of the things that we heard this week during Radio Row at Home. Uh, pretty good stuff there from Aaron Miller. Enjoy talking with him. The show is brought to you in part by Pro Driver Training. That's Pro Driver Training, Vermont's premier truck driver training school. Online at ProDriverCDL.com. That's online at ProDriverCDL.com. Frank on Facebook Live says we need to have Brady get Wild Wings to name him a, uh, name a sandwich after him. Oh no, to get wings named after him, not just a uh, a sandwich. I've got the sandwich at the Village Grocery. He wants wings named after me too. I don't know. I don't know what flavor of wings I would be, but uh, always appreciate talking with Aaron Miller. He is awesome. And uh, again, Pro Driver Training, Vermont Springer Truck Driver Training School, online at ProDriverCDL.com. When we come back. I, I post questions to Aaron about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's retirement. It's been a week, and he doesn't sound like he's fully committed to it. What's the latest, and do I want to see Tom Brady come back? I'll give you my spin on that. That's next on DEV. Welcome back to Radio Row at Home on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Park, the show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. High school basketball coming up about 15 minutes from now. Boys Hoops, Randolph at Spalding. Brent Curtis will be on the call. I want to get to this Tom Brady stuff because yesterday on the Let's Go podcast with Tom Bra- with Brady and Jim Gray and Larry Fitzgerald, Brady was asked basically if he's retired for good. And he said, never say never. Never say never. He didn't say, I'm done for good. I'm fully at peace with this decision. I hope that this is just Tom Brady in the immediate wake of his retirement. I hope this is him just struggling to come to terms because I don't want to see Tom Brady come back. I don't want to see him come back like mid-season. If he was going to, if he's going to keep playing, he's best served to just play right from the start. I don't want to see Brady come back mid-season. Now, he'll get calls, he'll get courted, but it doesn't change my thought. I don't want to see Brady come back in a mid-season scenario, but he's going to get calls every year. Somebody gets hurt, somebody needs a quarterback. I mean, look at just look at it this year. Panthers lost Sam Darnold. Colts had issues with Carson Wentz. Seattle lost Russell Wilson for a period. Kyler Murray was out for a portion of the year. Baker Mayfield played but torn to shreds. Joe Burrow got hurt the year before. Dak Prescott got hurt. Like, guys, there will be quarterbacks that get hurt, and Tom Brady will be their first call at some point over the course of the season. I don't want him to answer that call. I just don't. If he wants to play, he's got to just play 
coming back midseason, signing in late August to deal with a training camp injury, signing before week four or week nine. I'm not interested in seeing Brady do that. There's a couple of different reasons why. I believe very, very strongly in the romantic nature of sports. I like when we end with moments frozen in time. Derek Jeter hitting a walk-off single in his final at-bat at Yankee Stadium. That will stick with me forever. John Elway helicoptering through the air and winning a Super Bowl and then going out. That will stick with me forever. I love those moments. And while Brady didn't win the Super Bowl in his final season, I want my last visions of Tom Brady, the player, to be him going out at close to the top of his game. I don't want to see him come back at age 45 and struggle. And I don't want to see him come back and play poorly. It wouldn't ruin my perception of him, but it would ruin that moment. It would ruin that great image I have of Brady at the end. And I don't want that. And I think that that's a real concern. I don't know if Tom Brady were to come back in the middle of a season if Tom Brady would be would be great. I don't know if under that scenario, Tom Brady would, would be excellent. And there's a couple of reasons why. If he, And if he's not capable of being the Tom Brady of old, then I don't want to see Tom Brady play at all. Like, do you want to see Tom Brady come back midseason like Cam Newton did and look like Cam Newton did for the Panthers? No, I get it. Brady's better than Cam, but... Do you want to see Brady sign with somebody and come back and play behind that offensive line that Cam had to play behind? I don't. Do you want to see a 45-year-old Tom Brady go play for the Seahawks and get behind the line that Russell Wilson complained about? I don't. Do you want to see Tom Brady come back, you know, when Joe Burrow gets injured two years ago and go play behind that Cincinnati line that was even worse a year ago, you know, two years ago than it was this past year? I don't. I don't know that if Tom... Tom Brady, at this point in his career, needs to go to a situation where everything around him is great. And that's just not reality for most teams in the NFL. So I don't want to see Brady come out of retirement to play for somebody that I don't know if they can protect him. And two, Tom Brady's whole career has been made because of his discipline and his preparation. And he also puts a huge premium on team building. If he walks into a building on Monday of week eight without all the preparation, without the team building that he usually does, without the understanding of his teammates, I mean, how good could he really be? Tom Brady is great, not because he's a great athlete. He's great because of his mind, because of his understanding, because of his work ethic, and because of his commitment. And if he has taken, you know, six months off, not fully training and not working with his teammates, I don't know that Tom Brady would be great in a situation like that. And more importantly, I don't know that he'd want to come back into a situation like that. I don't want to see Tom Brady do this. I hope that right now, Tom Brady is just struggling to come to terms with everything. And I get it. It would be very hard to realize that you are not what you used to be or that you can no longer do the thing that has made you great. It would be extremely hard. Aaron Miller just told us how hard it was. Now he said, my body was broken, so I had to walk away, but I didn't want to. 
I hope this is Brady just having a tough time at the beginning. And I hope in two months and four months and six months, he'll have more clarity to realize I don't, I shouldn't come back. It wouldn't be advantageous for me to come back and play when I haven't spent my eight months in the playbook. When I haven't had my throwing sessions with my wide receivers. When I haven't invited my receivers out to stay at my place and gotten to know them. I don't want to see Tom Brady walk into what Cam Newton walked into this year. I don't want to see him walk into uh, you know, what to, um, Geno Smith walked into in Seattle, a team with no defense and no line and a hard schedule. I'm not interested in that for Tom Brady. I want my frozen-in-time moment, and my frozen-in-time moment is him winning a Super Bowl last year and him possibly being the MVP this year. That's what I'm interested in. That That's the moment that I'm interested in for Tom Brady, and that is how I want him to go out. That's it. That's how I want him to go out. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we will get to even more Super Bowl coverage. We've got more takeaways from things being said from Los Angeles, including some interesting stuff on a former Patriot coming out of Los Angeles. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Patriots coaching staff is in some is in a real interesting place. Joe Judge is back as an offensive assistant. What's going to happen with the offensive coordinator now? So we're going to talk about that. And we got a couple of great guests lined up tomorrow as well. We're going to talk tomorrow with, uh, let me see, who's on tomorrow's show? Lofa Tatupu is stopping by, former Seahawks linebacker. His father, Mosi, played for the Patriots for a number of years. So Lofa Tatupu is in on the show. I think Kyle Glazer from Baseball America is going to be on the show talking about the Red Sox. So we'll have a lot of good stuff on Radio Row at Home Day 3 tomorrow. I think tomorrow is a three-guest show. So uh, we will have another great day of coverage leading up to the Super Bowl. Uh, full show podcast and all of our interviews, by the way, available on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel at Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. High School Basketball, Brent Curtis on the call for Randolph and Spalding on the boys' side. That's next on WDEV AM and FM and always streaming at WDEVradio.com.